the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, our Lord, said that if you, he goes on, he says, you shall not murder, you have heard it said, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Back when I was 19 years old, in uh, early June, I showed up to a place called Long Creek, South Carolina, way up in the corner of the upstate of South Carolina, up in the Appalachian Mountains. You see, I came from a comparatively big family. I mean, nothing like some of the families here, but you know, five members in our family in a pretty small house didn't really have room for me when I lived there anyways. And I knew that after I moved out, they certainly would have taken advantage of that. So I had to find somewhere where I could both live and work at the same time. And the answer that I found was uh, be a whitewater rafting guide. So I showed up to Long Creek, South Carolina, uh, where the outfitter was on the Chattooga River there. And uh, one of the first things I noticed when I settled myself into the bunkhouse is how terrible everybody smelled. <laughs> they smelled awful. These are people who spent all day out in the river, you know, getting, picking up all that stuff. There are people who spent all day out in the hot sun, so sweating and all this. They tended to be kind of hippie sort of people, so maybe they didn't bathe as often as we might, and they were kind of averse to chemicals, including the kinds of chemicals you put on your body to keep it from smelling bad, right? Deodorant and things of this nature. They smelled terrible. One day, about two weeks later, I was thinking about how I had arrived there and remembered how everybody smelled and how they smelled terribly. I realized they don't smell anymore. A scientist has proven it takes about seven minutes maximum to get used to a smell, right? You've noticed this in your life. You, you go into a house that you know smells like wonderful baked bread, for example, to use a positive example. It smells wonderful when you first step into it. You smell it seven minutes later? Usually not, right? I had adapted to the smell around me. And I hate to say it too, not only had I adapted to the smell around me, but I had also adopted the smell around me. Because <laughs> I was working in the river all day long. I was working out in the hot sun, and I hate to say I had adopted, maybe not to the full measure of some of these guys, but many of the practices of them as well in terms of their personal hygiene. Brothers and sisters in Christ, the cultural situation around us, it stinks to high heaven. I mean that literally. It is offensive to God 
My fear is that as we as Christians, we have not just adapted to it, but we have also adopted it. And what God considers offensive, we consider downright virtuous. Now, what am I talking about here? You might think that I'm talking about this passage where Jesus says that, look, if you even look at a woman with lustful intent, you've already committed adultery with your heart, in your, with her in your heart. You might be thinking that, oh, your pastor's talking about the prevalence of things such as pornography, which at one time was, you know, you had to work hard to get it, but now is just streamed into devices you carry with you everywhere. Could talk about that. It's not what I'm talking about today. Or maybe you might be thinking, oh, pastor, he's talking about divorce. You know, Jesus talked about divorce in our gospel lesson today pastor's talking about divorce which sadly is all too common for unbiblical reasons certainly we could talk about that it's not what we're talking about today or maybe you might be thinking about you know pastors thinking about language you know jesus takes up language and how we are to honor god with our lips and sadly so often we do not we could talk about that, but that's not what we're talking about today. No. Talking about resentment. Because as many words as Jesus spoke in our passage today about these other three topics, he spoke twice as much as any of these about resentment. Twice as much about the heart. sad to me that we seem to be awash in resentment flooded by resentment within our culture we're awash in resentment because so many powerful people see it as an advantage to them the politicians take advantage of resentment and therefore they foment resentment See, it's hard to make good policy. <laughs> it's hard to come up with good laws and to enforce them well. But appealing to resentment, anybody can do that. Therefore, it's the easiest way to hold on to power. Commercial interests, they foster resentment. And we're not really talking about divorce today, but, but certainly the divorce industry has truly become an industry. It's an industry that profits off of resentment, has no interest in reconciliation, has no interest in forgiveness. And we would be fools not to think that they do not use their incredible purse strings to influence people in this regard. Cultural interests. The cheapest. The easiest ways. Of getting clicks on the internet. Views on YouTube. 
laughs at jokes that really aren't that funny is once again by appealing to resentment. Our life together within our nation, it's a far cry from the ideals set forth by Lincoln in his Gettysburg Address. With malice toward none, with charity toward all. And this situation, let me tell you, stinks to high heaven. And as I've said, my fear, we've not only adapted to it, but instead we've even actually adopted it. Whereas God is offended by resentment, sadly too often we Christians, we consider resentment a virtue. But truly, resentment is offensive to God. (laughs) Some of the hardest words that Jesus ever spoke in the Bible are here with regards to resentment. I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. That's how much God hates resentment. As I was thinking about this today, I, it makes sense to me. God is our Father, right? Well, you can insult me all day long. You can criticize me all day long. The day you show malice or hard-heartedness to one of my children is the day you will incur the fullness of my opposition to you. Is this not the case with our Father in heaven? Yes, we are all fallen, but we are still no less any one of us creations of God. And this applies to your enemy just as much as it does to you. Therefore, if our hearts are hard towards our Father's works, our Father's children, then God's heart will be hard against us as well in judgment. Praise be to God, however, that while God certainly despises resentment, Yet we are still God's works. And God has had soft heart, a soft heart towards us. Has redeemed us by sending His Son to die for us. And to forgive us our sins. As Christians, therefore, we are not only required, but we are also empowered to lay aside resentment to take up forgiveness, even as we have been forgiven, to be reconciled with others, even as we have been reconciled to God by means of His own Son. We have received God's grace, and therefore we are empowered to be gracious. But Jesus goes on to say something interesting here. And I never got this until I really was thinking about this this week. I've always been confused by this 
turn in what he says. He says that not only ought we to be concerned about our hearts, but also about the hearts of others. He says, you know, whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard. You be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Now, for years and years and years, for really 43 years of my life, this, this really made no sense to me. I, I really couldn't understand what Jesus was getting at. Why is he on the one hand talking about what you might have over your brother, but on the other hand, now he switches it up and talks about, well, if your brother has something against you, then go and make amends. I came to realize this week is this, is that as soft-hearted Christians, it is not fitting for us to be in the presence of God Enjoying his grace and mercy. Experiencing heaven on earth. While our brother is in danger of hell. This is what Jesus says after all, right? If you're in the temple, what was the temple? The temple was the place where people could be assured that God would be present in his grace and his mercy. The temple, to put it another way, was heaven on earth. Now, if on the other hand, your brother, while you are experiencing heaven on earth, your brother is, is liable to judgment and your brother is liable to hell. Certainly your heart is not in the right place. If your brother has something against you. And you are allowing that person to have this resentment welling up. In his heart. The image Jesus gives us is this. Look, your brother is on the path to the judge. <laughs> your brother is on the path to judgment. And if you stand aside and let him go to the judge, he will drag you into judgment as well on account of your hard hardness towards him. This applies to us just as much as it does to the people that Jesus originally spoke this to. We no longer have the temple. But yet we as Christians, we too, yet have heaven on earth. Here, where God is present to us in his word. Here, where God proclaims us forgiven. Here where we receive his tender mercies. Here where he provides for us all that is necessary for our eternal lives. This is heaven on earth. And it is not fitting, brothers and sisters in Christ, for us to be present in heaven on earth while our brother is in danger of hellfire. And so therefore, let us hear these words of Jesus, which are God's wisdom 
but is foolishness to this world. The foolishness, this world, the wisdom of this world says, look, never admit a fault. If you admit a fault, that can be used against you. Never own up to wrongdoing. Because if you own up to wrongdoing, that is giving that other person leverage against you. And so therefore, do not talk. Do not admit. But instead, explain away. Reason away. Deny. Even lie if necessary. To avoid taking fault. But we as Christians, there's no fear in admitting fault. Admitting fault for us is simply the gateway into eternal life. We did it this morning. We confess our sins. God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And therefore we gladly proclaim that we are sinful and unclean. We gladly admit that we have sinned against God by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We are glad to do this. We are glad to let the light of the truth shine upon us and shine upon our deeds because this is the means by which the light of the gospel shines upon us and the forgiveness of our sins. Admitting fault is the means by which we have reconciliation with God. So therefore, let us put aside the wisdom of this world which is actually foolishness. But instead, if we have wronged the neighbor, if we have hurt the brother, go, admit our fault, and seek reconciliation insofar that we can. And the upshot with this, this beautiful thing, through this, potentially the heart of our brother can be won towards us. Even better, the heart of the brother won towards God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, seek reconciliation for the sake of the brother. And if not the brother, then for yourself. So that you too might not be dragged in the judgment. My prayer for you, brothers and sisters in Christ, is that you in the gospel would be empowered to not adapt to the resentment in which we are awash. That you would not grow used to it but rather you would see it for what it is, something that stinks to God in high heaven. And far from having a holier-than-thou perspective on this, that you yourself would examine your heart, see where the resentment within you lies, and confess that sin to God. And then far from adapting to it, 
Instead, you would live in the ways of God and seek to be an agent of reconciliation in your homes, in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces. My prayer is this, is that you would look different. You would act different. She would be identifiable as a Christian. As one who has a heart that is soft to your neighbor. And one that seeks to make soft hearts among others as well. That St. Peter's Lutheran Church, we would be a place where enemies are reconciled. Where we pray for those who hate us where we love our neighbors, that thereby this would be a place where the wisdom of heaven would shine forth in this dark world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen.